In this episode, Dr. Kashi explores metabolism and how it connects sugar and physical activity. He explains the seven stages of post-absorptive physiology playing a crucial role in metabolic health. Listen, as a good doctor delves into the major causes of metabolic disturbance and reinforces the importance of using your body to do stuff more times so that you can do it even more times for longer times. Roll the intro! Hello, and welcome to ah, Coffee with Cashy. I'm your host, Coffee with Cashy, with my delicious Coke Zero flavored coffee substitute, because this coffee is offline now. <sighs> Today's lesson has an interesting and possibly triggering slash frustrating premise. Hmm. When it comes to keeping your body metabolically healthy, metabolically, right? Seven syllables, big word. Uh, sugar is trivial, at least compared to physical activity in terms of a, deter in terms of a factor you can modify. Uh, we'll get more to that in the next lesson. I think I still wanted to give some practical, some practical things in terms of how and why that's the case and a little bit of science background, all right? Your metabolic health essentially, well, I guess, you know, what the heck is metabolic health? It's a, that's a decent question, all right? <laughs> uh, it's essentially the, the who, what, when, where, why, and how of your body moving nutrients around, depending on the state it's in. That's the little asterisky thing. Uh, similar terminology you might recognize as metabolic flux, turnover, or in some loose cases, metabolic flexibility. That's a different phenomena uh, that's relatively new, but that term gets... I mean, the phenomena is old, but the description is new. So that, that sort of terminology is weaved in there sometimes because there's still a little bit of confusion there in terms of the consensus. So anyway, here's what you're learning. Here's what you're learning. You eat stuff. And then what? Now, entire degrees are based around this, so bear with me with the few minutes that we're going to have to run down these things. There's seven different things that... Uh, that are worth bringing up here. And in terms of sugar in your metabolic health, it's about using it or losing it. Your metabolic health, that is. Sugar is whatever, <laughs> right? And is this in the context of, of diet and, and moving around and metabolic health and quality of life, uh, is this about getting better or feeling better? Hmm? What is better, right? Just to, you know, I feel a little bit better or I am better. I am better. The am better. <laughs> so if you're interested in improving your metabolic health and sharpening your mind so that you can chisel your body, head on over to smartpeoplecomehere.com to reserve your spot in Dr. Cash's upcoming challenge. It's coming up. They're only on a few times per year and they fill up. So again, head on over to smartpeoplecomehere.com to claim your spot, right? A little bit of background here. Although, uh, how many total calories you consume be it sugar or fat or protein, any of those things actually, uh, is far and away more important in determining your body, body weight and therefore uh, your body weight gain or loss. Mrs. Cash, you came in here for a couple minutes. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is different than manipulating how much sugar you consume as a means of determining your metabolic health, uh, as in how good your body is at what's so-called 
post-absorptive physiology, you suppose you can say, you can call it that. And for the sake of this lesson, it's best to separate uh, metabolic health in this context into seven different stages or post-absorptive physiology. They're, they're listed in an order, but the order is variable based on, you guess, the physiology of the system at that time. I thought about having all sorts of fancy charts and graphs and arrows and molecules and stuff. I'm just going to list it out to give you an idea of what's going on here because the idea is really all that matters. There's nutrient transport. There's nutrient sorting. There's nutrient uptake. There's nutrient mobilization. There's nutrient transformation. There's nutrient combination. And there's nutrient oxidation. <laughs> okay, we'll go over all of those. But those are the seven uh, stages or, or parts of post-absorptive physiology that, that matter in this context. Now with nutrient transporting, it's can you move nutrients around properly? Once they're in yet, do they move around? <clears throat> then there's sorting. Can you get the right nutrients to the right places? So they're in you and they're moving around, but are they getting to the right place? And once they get to the right place, do you take them up? Right? You've absorbed them into your body, but are they, is there uptake into the target tissue? Once they get to the right place, can they get in? And well, if they get in, can you remobilize them? If they're in the right place and they get in there, can they get back out if they need to go somewhere else that needs it more? And then there's transformation, nutrient transformation. Can you biochemically transform one fuel source into another? A metabolically healthy person can biochemically transform fat components, protein components, and sugar into each other if the situation arises, sometimes in strange roundabout ways, but that's exactly the point. That is why it is a cornerstone of metabolic health. <laughs> and uh, last, not last, but one of the last ones is nutrient combinations which is essentially the ability to tune how much protein and fat and carbohydrate you're metabolizing at any given time in the ratios. This is really just the ratio of fuel sources that you have and the responsive ability of your body to change the percentage of each depending on the sort of demand. Now in context, or I guess as an example, it's, it's a bad idea to burn your diesel fuel while sprinting. It's a worse idea to burn your rocket fuel while lounging, and it's a dangerous idea to dismantle the west wall so that you can build the east wall. Indeed, it's these sorts of metabolic mix-ups that are the hallmark of chronic disease that, again, get blamed on things like sugar, fat, and salt, etc. <clears throat> and lastly, there's oxidation, which is, can you use oxygen to convert your food all the way to carbon dioxide and water? Cool, right? <laughs> For instance, if you eat like, what is it? Trying to remember the stoichiometry in the old noggin here, fancy science word for chemistry math. If you eat like 300 grams of sugar or sugar polymers, also known as starch, then you'll make approximately 180 grams or six and a half ounces of water. And yes, that water does hydrate you, by the way. <laughs> that stuff is so cool to me. Uh, it turns out dorky biochemists like Dr. Cash use that to perform all sorts of neat experiments, especially if you make stuff radioactive, you can trace where it's going, uh, but that's for another cup of joe. <laughs> uh, the, the point is that does changing your diet change any of these things? Ah, sorta, maybe, kinda. Uh, does using your body change any of these things? Yes. So these are all facets of post-absorptive physiology that are important in metabolic health. And does changing your diet really change the way these things operate? Eh. Does using your body change these things? Yeah, it do. Yeah, it do. Okay, and I'll explain the differences in a second. 
the, the major causes of, of disturbance in metabolic health, right? The things that disrupt those seven factors that I mentioned and thus increases in morbidity and mortality, uh, that's when you, you lose your membership to the not dying fan club are starving, malnourishment, and being desk-bound, couch-bound, bed-bound, recliner-bound, etc., being sedentary. Hmm. Now, you'll notice that overeating was off of that list, and that is on purpose, because there is a so-called thing called the, the obesity paradox, which again is for another cup of joe. Uh, but the issue, really the premise is that being sedentary is the primary issue associated with metabolic fragility and, and overall decline in metabolic health and thus you know the the biggest contributor to all of these diseases is that well well now overeating sugar again while being glued to your butt will probably make it worse uh, but an overactive but but an active overeater is far metabolically healthier than a sedentary overeater it is for that reason moving around is the major modifiable factor to your metabolic health and how much sugar you eat honestly is pretty trivial it really is and for the love of all that is rationally constructive, ignore appeals to practical extremes. Ignore appeals to practical extremes. Practically everyone has that annoying and contrarian friend. Wow, Dr. Cachi, you're so stupid. You mean to tell me that drinking a gallon of maple syrup and walking around the block is better for me than sitting on the couch and eating kale? Yeah, sure, go be right, go be right over, over there. Uh, the adults are talking, thanks. Uh, I've personally worked with and analyzed the blood work and hormone sensitivity of a few thousand people, that's just personally, okay, that are, that are classified as obese. And they are active. And often they are, they are significantly metabolically healthier than relatively normal weight but sedentary people. Isn't that cool? I find that interesting. Uh, Turns out other scientists and cohorts have mimicked findings like this as well. Or rather, more likely, I mimicked their findings, <laughs> considering the discrepancies in age and time and things of that nature. But they, they corroborate, uh, to use fancy science terms again. The active people also, uh, from TCAN's internal data science, they ate way more sugar. In many instances, 200 to 300% greater amounts of sugar than sedentary people of relatively normal weight. And this relative change in sugar intake is still greater when you normalize for energy expenditure and total body weight. This means that if the currently active but obese people went down, the same, went down to the same weight and the same activity levels of the sedentary people, then their sugar intake would still be more than 50% greater. Just to give you an idea of the sort of overage and metabolic flexibility that moving around gives you in terms of preserving robustness and overall metabolic health. In short, modifying your overeating habits, they will change the numbers, a lot of the scary looking blood work stuff, but this is the difference between feeling better and getting better. And getting better, let's use, a, let's use an interesting example here. Uh, if you have knee pain and then walk around with a cane, does that make your knee better? No, no. You just made it easier on your knee. But it also takes a strong philosophical integration to really accept that relying on that cane, although it does make it easier on your knee, it does cause its own set of problems. Most notably, the semi-addictive nature of pain avoidance. <laughs> As in, if you take the cane away, 
now your immediate problems return. And so, well, using the cane now makes more sense than ever. This is the same sort of deal. Uh, if you just stick with that, you just, you create this conditional need to keep modifying things to make it easier and easier on your knee. And eventually hips and elbows and shoulder and et cetera, et cetera, as your body deteriorates instead of just making your knee better. When used responsibly though, the cane that is, <laughs> this sort of tactic actually has a lot of practical utility. And TKN found a way to properly use this to help people do even better. Often giving people the jump start, they need to continue building a better lifestyle with a happier, more fulfilling life around with it. For instance, if you use the cane to make it easier on your knees sometimes to then put you in a better position to go through therapy, that's different than using the cane forever and then just deteriorating, <laughs> okay? For instance, many metabolically sick, overfat, desk-bound and couch-bound people who start losing their excess fat by changing maybe one tiny, simple little thingy, you know, they make, start to make progress. And as they progress and you better believe they make fabulous progress, they, with TKN's help, they indubitably become more motivated to do other positive and constructive things and be more active. Does that make sense? Thus, it, it does have real and legitimate implications in the building of a so-called virtuous cycle, where the positive and constructive outcomes of one thing, like losing excess fat with only one or two tiny changes, are inherently rewarding and thus motivating of the doing of another thing that promotes positive and constructive outcomes, like finally being comfortable or even physically able to go to a class, dancing, hiking, or join a jiu-jitsu club. And these things happen at TKN every single day. Is it better for your body to take it easier on your body? Yeah, sure, yeah. Um, does that make your body better? Does that make you better? No. It means to stay healthy under those circumstances, you have to consistently establish new, more frustrating normals regularly, a stricter and more inhibited lifestyle pattern to maintain similar blood work numbers. And the more you take it easier on your body, the more easier you have to take it on your body. <laughs> and the stricter and more difficult those requirements for your metabolic health become. And I think practically everybody knows where that ends up leading. Hmm? Here's what you've learned. Here's what you've learned. You eat stuff. And then there are seven different stages. There's transport, sorting, uptake, mobilization, transformation, combination, oxidation. Do all those things really matter to you? Uh, no. But what does matter is that when you start to move your body around, those things get better. <laughs> and if those, things, if those things start to break, well, then it shows up as scary stuff on your blood work. And moving around fixes a lot of that stuff and keeps it from happening. Okay? Now, that leads to sugar and metabolic health. Use it or lose it. This is something where the more you use your body, the more robust it becomes. And the less you use your body, the more frail it becomes and the more strict of a lifestyle you have to lead to facilitate metabolic health under those circumstances. So if you start to use your body a little bit more, you give yourself a ton of freedom, all right? And again, would you rather feel better or get better? Does using the cane take the pressure off your knee and help you feel better? Sure. Does that make your knee better? No, no, okay? Making something easier to deal with and feeling better is different than solving the problem, making it better. 
as in you can hide your metabolic frailty by changing the demands on your organs, but that's different than making your body more capable than it was before. Or, you know, rather, you know, dealing, using sugar and blaming all this crap to deal with the so-called non-communicable chronic diseases plaguing the first world. You know, stay rational. Until next time. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Cashy? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, and see you next week. Dr. Cashy is out! <laughs>